I'm Damien Fowler. And I'm Ailee Slifferin. And welcome to this edition of The Current Podcast. This week, we sit down with Andrew Robertson, who has been the president and CEO of BBDO Worldwide since 2004. No doubt over his career, he's had a bird's eye view of creative trends in the ad industry. And last year, he gave a keynote presentation in the Palais at Cannes Lions on why humor is one of the most effective tools in advertising. And yet, he pointed out that funny ads have been on the decline for 20 years. He reminded the crowd that having a laugh is also good for business. Since that talk, Cannes Lions has added a humor category to its awards for 2024. Maybe we have Andrew Robertson to thank for that. Before we start, we thought it might be a good idea to take a listen to some recent funny ads, starting with this one from T-Mobile, starring Bradley Cooper and, of course, his mom. Does T-Mobile really have a 5G? America's largest 5G network. Try it again. Oh my god, you look like a flamingo in this. Okay. The America's America's largest largest 5G 5G network. network. How can I help you? Hi, how are you? (laughs) Can I help you? You're making me crazy. And here's a bit from Workday's big game spot titled Rockstar, featuring, you guessed it, real rock stars like Kiss frontman Paul Stanley, Joan Jett, Billy Idol, and Ozzy Osbourne. Big corporate types. Will you stop calling each other rock stars? You're a rock star. You are a rock star. Rock stars, please. You know what it takes to be a rock star? I've trashed hotel rooms in 43 countries. I was on the road since I was 16. I've done my share of bad things. Also, your share of bad things. And finally, we're big fans of Liquid Death here at The Current. Their latest ad takes a bold and unconventional approach to raise awareness about plastic waste on the planet, and it does this while making us smile and cringe all at the same time. Thanks to our proprietary and somewhat pain-free surgical method, a sexier planet begins with a sexier you. Now I'm practically oozing with beauty. Thanks, Liquid Death. Now we can use old plastic bottles to enhance anything. And I mean anything. Oh my gosh, ouch. (laughs) That's a good one. Well, the good news is there's plenty more funny where that came from. But let's hear from Andrew first. I got to be honest, when I made the proposal in the presentation that there should be a line for humor, it was really only to get another joke into the presentation. Um, But that was really the only reason I did it. However, I'm really thrilled that they have gone ahead and done it. That was a turning point. I think it was a turning point in terms of the work that was getting awarded at Cannes. I think it was a turning point in terms of the work that was being entered. Um, And I I think my presentation was just, you know, the right thing at the right time. It was something I wanted to get off my chest. And judging by the response from the audience and the feedback I got subsequently, it was something a lot of people wanted to hear at that moment. Let's go back to your presentation a little bit. I I loved it. You kicked it off with this fantastic story about when you first learned that humor sells. I I wondered if you wouldn't mind recapping a bit of that story. When I was uh, a student, I had a number of kind of part-time gigs, and one of them was selling Vax vacuum cleaners door-to-door. And for those who don't know, it was a very powerful vacuum cleaner developed by a dairy farmer who adapted one of his milking machines. And it was 
by far the best suction you could get out of a out of a vacuum cleaner, but they were bright orange and they weighed like 90 pounds and cost 300. It was a difficult thing to sell. It was a difficult thing to carry, frankly, from door to door. But I learned, I learned a couple of things. One was that sometimes um, when people believe that what they've got is good enough, you have to find a way to dramatize the fact that it isn't. And in the case of the Vax vacuum cleaner, the thing that worked, the thing that could convert people was if I could show them that something they thought was really clean was in fact full of dirt and that Vax could solve that for them. And by far the most compelling demo of that was to vacuum their bed, their mattress, because everybody likes to think their mattress is really clean. But, it, but with a Vax, vacuum the mattress and you just get all sorts of terrible stuff coming out of it. And if I could get to that demo, nine times out of ten people would spend the 300 pounds and, and buy the bright orange machine. So I used to, like, I'd ring the doorbell and nine times out of ten the door would be opened by a woman and I was standing on the doorstep and I would say, my name's Andrew Robertson, representing the Vax Vacuum Company. Can we go up to your bedroom? And most of the time they laughed. Most of the time they laughed. And then once they'd laughed, we could then have a conversation where I'd say, well, I really do want to go up to your bedroom because I want to show you just how powerful this vacuum cleaner is. And, and most of the time it worked. But the point I learned was that um, overcoming resistance to your cell is, is really important. And the best way to do that, the best way to disarm people and to make them like you is to make them laugh. You had some Kantar research that showed a steady decline in the use of humour, not just the last five years, but over the last 20 years. What does the data show about why humour declined, I suppose? I mean, there could be a load of things. I think one of the, one of the big trends across that period has been the emergence of the importance of purpose, brand purpose. Um, and I think that, that along with that has come... Um, a belief, and I, but it's a belief that I don't share, that uh, if you have a serious purpose, you should find a way of bringing it to life in a serious way. Um, and, and I think that may account for some of it. Uh, there's certainly, if you look at the data, drops in the use of humor in advertising according to that Kantar data during the um, global recession in 2008, 2009, and then again during the pandemic. And I, I think that is a result of people believing, you know, these are difficult times and people are having it really rough and we need to make sure we're not tone deaf and we need to, uh, we shouldn't do anything funny because it's, it's not appropriate. It's a logical thought process. It's just not true. And I think what happens is when you have those step changes, like we had in 2008, 2009, the level drops and then it, and then it doesn't come back up again. Those, I would say, are the two most significant moments but do you see it coming back now? There's actually some pretty good data about what's happened in the last six months and how many more humorous ads are being tested. I'm hopeful that it can be revived. That's great. I mean, I think everybody is down for a laugh these days. Um, but would you say it's also good for business? 90% of people will say that um, they're more likely to remember an ad that is funny. 80% of people say they're more likely to recommend a brand that is funny. 91% of people say they want brands to be funny. And 72% say they would choose a humorous brand over the competition. And that's all kind of claimed behavior. And it's not surprising if you think about the way 
we are as human beings, if you make people feel good and attach that feeling to your brand, that's an experience they're going to remember. And when your brand is next presented to them, that's what they're going to draw on. One of the reasons you say that people have an inhibition around humor is that it's not compatible with purpose-driven messaging, but you found that not to be the case. It's important for brands to have a meaningful and relevant purpose. The flaw in the logic, in my view, is that necessarily that means that when you try to bring that purpose to life or talk about it or dramatize it, you have to do so in a very serious way. You can have a really serious, really important cause or purpose. That doesn't mean you can't talk about it in a way that's going to, people are going to find amusing. I, I showed an example of, of President Obama. He was the president of the United States, pretty big job. Uh, his signature legislative achievement was the Affordable Care Act, and there was a, a website that was built by the government so that people could take advantage of this, and it didn't work. And his way of dealing with it was not to do an earnest speech about it. His way of dealing with it was to do a funny or die video that was really, really funny. That's a great way to apologize. It's a great way to say, I'm sorry. And when he did that, it was watched by, I think it was 40 or 50 million people. But, but the more important fact is that the number of people who went onto the site went up by 40%. I'm wondering, can we make the case that humor builds engagement no matter which channel it's on? You know, this fundamental point that if you can use creativity in whatever medium you're working in, whatever form you're working in, to make people feel good and attach that feeling to your brand, you will sell more. A few years ago, I was in LA and I was due to come back to New York and I got a text message from American Airlines. It's one of the best things I've ever seen, which is not a sentence I expected to say about a text message from American Airlines. But the text message said, you may want to pack an umbrella. We're expecting storms tomorrow. Flights will be delayed and some may be cancelled. If you can, you should probably travel on another day. And all of the technology and data that's necessary to ensure that that bit of information, very, very relevant information, got to me in the palm of my hand at the right time, right message, right time. All of that technology is great, but if it hadn't been written the way it was, instead of smiling and feeling good, I would probably have been angry. Because if, if the same information was, you know, all caps, weather alert, uh, storms expected on the East Coast, delays likely, my reaction would have been completely different. I would have been angry. Instead of which, I was smiling. I did get delayed. I then got diverted. I was sitting on the runway in um, Dallas for for three hours, and I didn't get mad. There's really an art to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, would, I would challenge that assumption. I don't think it matters what medium you're consuming or probably what situation you're in, maybe with a couple of extreme examples. If you can get somebody to laugh and feel good, they are going to thank you for it. That old expression of laughter being the best medicine there is, is true. That's true. If you can make people laugh, they will feel better and they will thank you for it by, in our case, buying your brand. How you make people laugh, the topic, the content, the idea that you bring to life that creates this feeling, what you build that around is, has to be handled very sensitively. 
what I'm arguing is that no matter what state of mind people are in, if you can find a way to make them smile and laugh and feel good, they're going to thank you for it with their business. What would you say is the funniest campaigns that you've worked on? You're Not You When You're Hungry for Snickers is a campaign that's that's rooted in making people laugh. Um, it's you know running in 83 countries. It's in its 13th year. It's been outrageously successful for the brand. Is that a negotiation between you know you as the creative and and the, the client? Do you talk about the style, the content, and whether it should be funny? Does that come up, or is that a sort of an organic process? The key to making something funny is you have to under you have to understand the premise, and there are cases where that humor is generated around premises that people might understand but just not like. The fundamental point of if you can if you can create a premise that people understand, you have the launching pad for something that could be humorous. That's true everywhere. It's an organic process. It's an organic process. And if you have something that makes the client laugh, the client will laugh usually the same way as the audience will laugh. If something's funny, it's funny. And getting people to recognize the value of it is sometimes a function of getting them to experience it. The bit that gets complicated is when people are arguing about whether something is funny or not. It takes ingenuity and creativity. And sometimes I think the bigger problem is, is not that people don't want to do something that is funny. It's that what they do isn't actually that funny. Do you ever get to a point where you know, you've got the final asset there and it's like, mm, it's just not that funny? Or does, does that ever happen or does it get that far? Yeah, it does. It, it does happen. And when you're testing the work, you're not testing, is it funny or not? You're testing whether the audience is going to engage with it, find it memorable, and it's going to make them feel something that makes them want to buy your brand. The humor is the means to the end. It's not an end in itself. But yeah, it does, it does happen where somebody's like, oh, it's just not funny, uh, or it's not funny enough. You know, there are writers' rooms working on on Seth Meyers' jokes every night. I mean, there's 10 people sitting around a table trying to come up with something funny for him to say because he's got to be funny for an hour. And that's a lot of jokes that you need. So it takes a lot of creative minds to come up with them. Fortunately, we don't have to fill an hour usually, but it's still, it's still, harder, than, it's still harder than anybody imagines. And if you doubt that for a second, just try and write something funny yourself. Just try and write, even when you know the format, try and write a Snickers commercial. Try and, try and write something funny for Snickers. It's, it's harder than anybody imagines. Would you say there are some categories that lend themselves to humor more than others? I don't want to accept the principle that, that there are any categories in which it couldn't be used. I think companies and individuals may choose not to, but I, but I, I find it hard to believe that it, that it really couldn't be used. And that's it for the current podcast. We'll be back next week with Jesse Pearl, the head of brand and marketing for Major League Soccer. The current podcast is produced by Wonder Media Network. Our theme is by Love and Caliber. The current team includes Chris Brooklier and Kat Fessy. And remember, if you can use creativity in whatever medium you're working in, whatever form you're working in, to make people feel good and attach that feeling to your brand, you will sell more. 
And if you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a review. Also, tune into our other podcast, The Current Report, as we round up the week's biggest marketing headlines from across the open internet. I'm Damien. And I'm Elise. And we'll see you next time.